This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That really is a hard act to follow, Derek. <laughs> Make it hard on me. <laughs> That's good. Right, a lot of fun. Okay, if you turn in your Bible, please, to Zechariah chapter 14. Uh, This is the last chapter in the book of Zechariah, and uh, we'll get ready to look to the Lord first. Father, again, we're so conscious of the fact that we're not here alone uh, trying to decipher your book. Lord, uh, or to gain lessons from it, or to walk out at the end with something, a take-home message. Lord, we're not alone, and so we want to now acknowledge you and 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 ask you to help us to learn, help us to to walk out of here uh, this morning, Lord, with, with with a word from God, in Jesus' name, amen. Zechariah chapter 14, please follow along. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, Thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished, half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people that shall not be cut off from the city, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. His feet shall stand that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east, toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall move toward the north, half of it toward the south, and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, you shall flee like as when you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee, and it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. 
And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, half of them toward the hinder sea, in the summer and in the winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. There shall be one Lord and his name one. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba unto Reman south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel, unto the king's wine presses. And the men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more under destruction. Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes. Their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them, and they shall lay hold everyone on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. Judah also shall fight into Jerusalem. The wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold, silver, apparel, and great abundance. So shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, and of the ass, and of all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plague. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which come against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, they have that have no rain, there shall be the plague, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come up not, that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. And that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord, and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls of the, before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and all that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seat therein, and in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Now, <clears throat> I know that here that you've been getting pieces of the book of Zechariah, and the other pieces are at the Friendship with God Fellowship, so what can we do? But we come now to the end of the book of Zechariah, which is the they're really at the end of sin. It's the end of Satan's domain, like we've been singing about this morning. And it all ends in one day, which is talked about in verse 1, where it says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. This is a terrible day. Literally, it says, the day to the Lord. God has been provoked so long. His mercy has, been, has held back his hand of wrath for so long. But now, mercy retreats. Judgment comes, as it says in the verse 2, that I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women raped, the, half the city goes into captivity, there's tremendous death. This is the climax. It all comes down to one day, one terrible day, this day on earth that has never been before. It's described in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, Alas, for the day is great, so that none is like it, even the time of Jacob's trouble, and he shall be saved out of it. Especially 
For the Jewish people, it's a time of incredible trouble. It's called, the, it's called by the prophet Jeremiah, the time of Jacob's trouble. And looking at that time, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21, Matthew 24, 21, for then shall there be great tribulation, such as would not seen since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no, ever shall be. It's such a terrible time for the nation of Israel that the prophet Daniel says that no nation has ever experienced something like what's coming, and it will take none other than the archangel Michael himself to stand up and plead for the safety of the Jewish people for them to be saved. In Daniel 12.1, Daniel 12.1, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to this same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. So God sees his people, and he sees his people. He's brought the nations to get them to be, to, to be attacked, and he sees them attacked, and his heart again breaks for his people. He doesn't take that lightly. He doesn't take that lightly. In verse 3 it says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. God fights, it says in, in verse 3. God is a fighter. He fights for his people, Israel. He is a, this is the picture that we have of Jehovah Jesus fighting for his people. Our enemy was not the Egyptians. Our personal enemy was not the Egyptians or all the nations of the world. But our enemy was far worse. Our enemy was far stronger. Our enemies, we have two enemies. All of us have two enemies. They are called the grave and death. The grave and death are our enemies. And our fighter, the Lord Jesus, we just heard sung about David the fighter who fought and defeated Goliath. And our fighter, our son of David, Jehovah Jesus, he stepped in and he took on our enemies and he said, in Hosea 13, 14, Hosea 13, 14, he said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O oh, death, I will be thy plagues. O oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. I'm not going to change my mind is what he's saying there. Those were fighting words. Uh, against our enemies, the grave and, the, and, and death. Our enemy is not just called the grave. Our enemy is called, in that verse, Hosea 13, 14, the power of the grave. Our enemy, the grave, is powerful. It took power to do what the Lord Jesus said he would do in Hosea 13, 14. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Our enemy is death. We look at a grave, we look at death, and we say, you're no friend of mine, you're my enemy. And the Lord Jesus said in Hosea 13, 15, that he would plague death, he would plague death. Death is described in Hebrews 2, 14, Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus also, himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. 
and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. It was a big fight. It took a lot of power for the Lord Jesus to destroy the power of death, but he did it. And his victory, his victory is 2 Timothy 1.10. 2 Timothy 1.10. But now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought life and mortality to light through the gospel. That's an interesting word for abolish there. That's a Greek word, abolish. It's the word kartagio. Kartagio, sorry, katargio. Katargio is where we get the word cauterize, cauterize from. If you've ever seen a cauterization, ever seen a surgeon, he's got a, he's got a bleeder, he's got a vein that's bleeding, and what does he do? He takes the cauterizing iron, which gets super hot, and he puts it on that vein, and smoke even comes up, and that vein is functionless. It is no longer going to work. It stops the bleeding because the vein has been destroyed with heat. That's what the Lord did with death. He destroyed it by making death non-functional. And what he did when he overpowered death is described in Isaiah 25.8. Isaiah 25.8. It says, he will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. He swallowed death. That's how he did it. Just like the picture of a lion. He kills its prey, then he swallows his prey. And that's what he did with that cup that he spoke of. That cup that when he, he saw it, he sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane in, in Matthew 26, 39. Matthew 26, 39. He went a little further. He fell on his face. He prayed saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, as thou, as thou wilt. That's Jesus. That's the Lord Jesus, the fighter. That's the fighter Jesus. And it, just as he fought to save Israel from the Egyptians in, in Exodus 14, 13, Exodus 14, 13, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again, no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. When Egypt, when Egypt declared war on Israel, when they declared war on God's people, when that king came up with that bright idea of that final solution and said, they're getting too, too many and too powerful and we're gonna work them to death. When he came up with that, he declared war on Israel. And when he declared war on Israel, he declared war on God. And God didn't run away from that challenge of war. But God rose up, and, and, the, and, and the Lord fought against the Egyptians in the middle of the Red Sea. In the middle of the Red Sea. The last words of the Egyptians were Exodus 14.25. Exodus 14.25. God took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. 
the last words of the Egyptians as they were drowning, as their throats were gurgling with the salt water of the Red Sea, were, Exodus 14, 25, flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. What happened, what happened there in the Red Sea is just a picture. It's just a little picture for us. It was a big picture, but it's a little picture for us of the ultimate fight of the Lord Jesus when he destroyed death by swallowing it up, which he did on the cross. That's what he did on the cross. He conquered the grave, and he did this all, as it says in Hosea 13, 14. Hosea 13, 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And just as the last man standing is the victor, so the Lord Jesus is the last one standing after his fight against death and the grave. And it's this scene of him standing as the victor, as the fallen ones, the grave and the death, they're falling down, but he's standing. And this is what Job is saying about that in Job 19.25, Job 19.25. I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Job was saying in Job 19.25 that he knew that the feet of his Redeemer would stand at the latter day. He says, the latter day upon the earth. That latter day is Zechariah 14.1. This is the day we're talking about, Zechariah 14.1, the day of the Lord. And his, Job's Redeemer's feet and our Redeemer's feet that would stand on the earth are the feet that are referred to in verse four, in verse four of Zechariah 14. And his feet shall stand at that day upon the Mount of Olives. Those are the feet that Job said he knew would stand on earth in the latter day. This is the only place in the Old Testament where the Mount of Olives is named as the Mount of Olives. The only place, right here. And when verse four says that his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, that will be an important day which the Lord said was gonna happen in Matthew 23, 39. Matthew 23, 39, when he said, I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. See, verse four, verse four, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, is what the Lord is referring to in Matthew 23, 39, Matthew 23, 39 when Israel is about to be totally destroyed, totally wiped out, and they cry to God, and their cry is, save us, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And at that moment, Jehovah Jesus will be seen and his feet will be standing on the Mount of Olives as he serves as their savior, that they've never known him before, personally before. He's going to save Israel. And it's at the beginning of the book of Acts. The beginning of the book of Acts, there's a group of followers there in the beginning of the book of Acts. And the Lord Jesus, they're gathered together when the Lord Jesus appears to them in the first chapter of Acts. And the Lord Jesus goes up from heaven from that place. And the two men then appear that are dressed in white. And they tell them, well, they tell them what happened. And they say in Acts 1.10, Acts 1.10, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, 
Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And the question is, for those men and those two angels that were standing there talking to them, and those men, where were they standing when he says that he's going to come in like manner in the same place? And they were looking up into the sky. Where were they standing when they were told that Jesus would come down from heaven just like they saw him going up? Well, the next verse in Acts 1 tells us. It tells us in Acts 1.12, Acts 1.12, the next verse. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. So there they were. Those disciples are standing on the Mount of Olives when they were told that in Acts 1.11, the same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner if you've seen him go into heaven. Standing on the Mount of Olives, they're told in like manner, in like manner that Zechariah 14.4 is going to happen. Zechariah 14.4. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. The Mount of, uh, Mount of Olives. That's what they're told. His feet shall stand in the Mount of Olives. It takes us back in time when his feet did stand upon the Mount of Olives. They did stand upon the Mount of Olives. And so many times he stood there on the Mount of Olives. And when he looked at the city, he looked at the city of Jerusalem as he stood there with a broken heart. And he cried out. He cried out in Luke 19.41, Luke 19.41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. He stood and looked at that city in in Matthew 23.37, Matthew 23.37, and he moaned. His heart was so grieved. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thee together, thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. The Mount of Olives represents for the Lord a broken heart, a broken heart over the sins of Israel. And it's interesting that it happens to be a mound of olives. There the olives are. The olives, they yield their precious oil when they're pressed. And so he looks at those olives and he identifies with those olives. He said, that's me. I'm going to be pressed on the cross. And when I am, I'm going to yield precious, something very precious. Precious living water is going to come out. So there was all of Israel, thousands of years before, they were cornered. They were cornered at this time in Exodus when they were cornered against the Red Sea. They see the Egyptians moving toward them for the final kill. This is the final kill in Exodus 14. And then Jehovah Jesus cleaves the Red Sea, opens it up, and makes a way of escape, a valley there he created, an escape route right through the dry ground in the middle of the Red Sea. And so here's Israel again in Zechariah Zechariah 14 here, and Israel again is trapped in the same way, this time in Jerusalem. And all the nations, not the Egyptians, now it's all the nations of the world, they're moving in for the final kill of the Jewish people. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.